The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school. Welcome to the Orange is the New Black Podcast. I'm your host, Ace Boogie, joined by my co-host, Zim. Zim, say what's up. Hello, world. How's everybody going? We are on official cut-down day watch. We just got to the the big point, I think, in the day where we, we were seeing the roster unfold in front of our eyes. There's a bunch of different wrinkles and a lot of questions to be asked. Ace, how you feeling? So I just pulled it up. This roster, I don't know. I honestly... I feel like I'm kind of shocked with some some items that happen, but then some of them aren't shocking. So, like, for me, I would probably say, and maybe it's because maybe I'm reading too much into the, the PFF preseason numbers, but I was kind of shocked that they got rid of Mike Jordan. Uh, obviously, <laughs> when we talked earlier, like you said, they kind of shopped him around, so I figured that there was a chance that he would – potentially be sent somewhere but I still kind of imagined him being on the roster at least to start the season so to see Mike Jordan go after the way he performed like if he would have played bad in the preseason then I would have been like okay yeah it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone um and then I think another one that 
kind of shocked me was the, the Thad Moss one. I think we talked about that one as well. But obviously we can get into those, but <laughs> right, I would yeah. probably just say there's some shock like Mike. Ace, Ace got some strong takes to get today, guys. I want Ace to I, I feel like that's really good for the show because he's so damn laid back. And when he finally comes <laughs> in, he was pissed. I want yeah, you to yeah, be- I'm not so if what Zim is talking about <laughs> is when I looked at this roster, the one thing that I couldn't understand. It, don't get me wrong, man. This is what these guys, you know, work for. They get paid for. This is their dream. I'm not – if you're watching this, do not take this personally. I do not mean it that way. Mm-hmm. I'm just simply frustrated from a roster construction standpoint, just with one particular move really in general for me. And the one that kind of had me scratching my head was them keeping Stanley Morgan Jr. and also keeping Trenton Irwin. Like, I expected one – receiver to make it i kind of expected them to keep six i didn't expect that other receiver to be stanley morgan and i understand like he's a special teams ace but given the situation that the Bengals are in right now with how thin it is at defensive line in terms of edge rusher and some other positions i was kind of i was kind of shocked that they kept that many receivers because i feel like receiver is the strength of this team right that was the whole reason that we took chase that's why you have T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate. Those are a pretty strong four, right? So, like, what is the likelihood that a guy like, you know, outside of Mike Thomas, after Mike Thomas, when are those guys actually going to get in the game, right? Are they going to actually even be active on Sunday? And those are concerns that I have when you're kind of thin at an edge rushing position where you may have needed to keep one of these guys that's actually going to get into the game and play. So, that was the one that I kind of was scratching my head where I was like Stanley Morgan. And at the end of the day, these rosters aren't set in stone, right? As, as we know, tomorrow uh, players can be added to the IR. You know, trades can happen. There are other people that have been released from other teams that the Bengals could be putting a waiver claim in. If I'm not mistaken, they're in the top five to ten for waiver priority tomorrow. So this roster – you know, it's never really finished, right? Because things happen during the season. Guys come back from NFI. Certain things can happen. But that was just one of the ones that kind of threw me off in terms of that. Um, let's, that let's, let's I was go. like, what? Let's let's take it from the very beginning. The very first one that you talked about. Do you, I, let, let me do this quick exercise real quick. Let's just go through the, the guys that got cut in case everybody's not privy to it. Or maybe maybe you can't see it on the screen as good as we can. Uh, linebacker Joe Bocci from Michigan, Amani Bledsoe, Tony Brown, Drew Christman, Trayvon Henderson, which is a bigger surprise to me, Keandre Jones, who is super athletic, Michael Jordan, who you just mentioned, uh, Khalil McKenzie, Thaddeus Moss, Jacquez Patrick, Antonio Phillips, Winston Rose, Austin Seibert, Kyle Shermer, Keaton Sutherland, Gunnar Vogel, Scotty Washington, Puka Williams, crowd favorite, Trayvon Williams, and last but not least, Rennell Wren, who was on our show as well. Starting off at the list where you were saying Michael Jordan, for me, it's as simple as this. A lot of people talk about the depth on the, on that you need from the offensive line. I think they, they're, they're really solid, and I feel really good about their backups at guard. I don't really feel that good about their backups at tackle where you see they have to go for Isaiah Prince. I think they're going to have to put in a waiver claim. I seen somebody in the crowd tonight saying put in a claim for Crosby. Like they're going to have to go get, make a trade or put in a waiver claim and 
I'm gonna tell you later on the show how that's gonna happen with the space that is created. But Michael Jordan, in no circumstance, could have could have ever started for the Bengals ever again. Say somebody had a season-ending injury, there's no scenario where he could could be a starting guard. Zach Taylor talked about this today at the conference, at his press conference, is that. Uh, he just lacked consistency. And that's the same thing I had been preaching overall. It, it was never like some agenda about uh, Joe Burrow's leg. If, if Michael Jordan came back to the practice squad, I, I, I don't even like that, honestly. I feel like him and Billy Price just need a, a fresh start. That's just my personal opinion on it. It doesn't mean I'm right or wrong at all, but just the optics on it, like him getting you know on the play, involved with the play that Joe Burrow uh, got hurt, Michael Jordan historically had one of the worst offensive line performances ever put in a start. Like for 20 snaps and above, I was talking to my boys at PFF like last week. Out of any guard, like ever, I don't think people witnessed it. That's why I put a poll on Twitter. I don't think people realize how bad he was and how much they tried to force him, force him down our throats. It was a victim of uh, Jim Turner playing him a little bit too early. I think he had the prototypical styles and everything like that. And, and I don't think that he's a terrible person, but I just think that he wasn't consistent enough. And with this guy that we got at quarterback, even in a backup role, he cannot lose like a rep or two here and there. This dude gave up 15 quarterback hits last year. Like, so I was on Twitter being as nice as I possibly could say it. I didn't care what he did. Like, I just, I just, I didn't believe in him, but I'm nobody, but I didn't trust him anymore. He doesn't represent depth to me. But I think a lot of people are saying, why would you cut Michael Jordan? He was worse than Bobby Hart. Like anybody that says that Bobby Hart is like the worst one, like the, I feel like Bobby Hart got piled on. If you go look at his numbers, look at the tape from last year, he never came nowhere close to 15 quarterback hits. The closest person with quarterback hits in the National Football League was eight. This dude gave up 15 by itself. I couldn't, I couldn't get past that me mentally. That was nah, I mean, I feel you. Like, and if we're talking about Michael Jordan from last year, yeah, there's probably no way that he should have even have made the roster whatsoever. The thing that was weird to me is, and maybe it's because it was in practice that we weren't able to see it and in, in, in terms of the consistency issue, but consistently on PFF, he was scoring 80s. So, like, that was the only thing that was kind of well, shocking to this me. This preseason? Like, yeah, this preseason. That's why – and I think maybe Zach, because I did hear Zach say that, like it's a consistency issue and and stuff like that. But, you know, when he went out in these games, the first three ones, it was all 80s. It was like like he, now the last game they did keep him on a bench and maybe that was because they tried to shop him and and stuff like that. But that was what kind of threw me off, because if we talk about consistency, you know, that was one of the emphasis that he kind of put out there for Jackson Carmen. And if you look at the performances of Jackson Carmen per PFF, those ones are up and down. But when you looked at Michael Jordan just in the game, it was like, all right, he's definitely kind of improved, especially from where he was last year. Like you talked about, he had some of the worst PFF grades in history. I remember that. I remember we had a show. Man, where I, was seven. About, I was talking about Larry Warford and I kept telling people back then I was like, Michael Jordan is not it. Like Michael Jordan is a prospect kind of player that is still learning the game. He still has to have a lot of things refined as far as technique and things of that nature. But at the end of the day, I'm not crying 
because they ended up moving away from Michael Jordan. It just was shocking because it was like there was this it whole was narrative doing, about the turnaround. Oh, he's doing his thing, and then it because was because they were trying to shop him. They were trying to shop him. That like that, that. I mean, it came out. Uh, was that Albert Breer put out the report that said that they were trying to shop him? They were close to a deal with him with and Jags. Billy with the Jags. So it they should. Like, I think that that was the Sidney Jones deal because the Jags ended up. Trading Sydney Jones I would, I would like Sydney later Jones. that that, that would have been perfect for us, especially with what we're going through with Trey Wayne's Michael Jordan but, for for Sydney Jones. But that's when but I, I, I don't like think it. nobody wants. I I don't I honestly think Michael Jordan might go unclaimed. Now he will go on a roster. Somebody's going to pick him up. But just just to reiterate, the difference between him and Carmen is you just use a second round pick. That's yeah. just that's just that. Like yeah. Carmen. Had Carmen been here on his second, third year, yeah, he'd be cut right now. But you just yeah. drafted him. You couldn't afford to do that. And, and, that's the, why, and, that's and Deontay Smith sense, looked right? so good. Deontay Smith looked good. And so they were right. really, really good. These are our two backup guards. Right. And now nah, that made sense. Because then when I when I step back and look at it, like you just said, why would we bench Carmen like from the number two spot to make him the number three player for Michael Jordan. It just didn't make sense. And why would we do that for Deontay Smith? Because if these guys have to, you know, be on the reserve team or, you know, be on the scout team, they need to be right. getting these reps against the starters. There's no reason to really have a Michael Jordan there. So that definitely made sense. When I stepped back and look at it from that aspect, I was like, oh, yeah, it, it didn't even make sense to even keep Michael Jordan based off of that. Now, the, the next one that we should go to, I think I'm just reading the comments as I was just a second ago. I think the, the next one that you were saying was Stanley Morgan. For me, this is my personal take on it. Stanley Morgan is brought here not to be a wide receiver at all. Like, I think Stanley Morgan, when I look at the roster and the way it's constructed in most National Football League rosters, it's just six wide receivers. There are very few teams that carry seven, and the teams that carry seven – it seven or eight are just because of special. I mean, for mainly like those that are their special teams aces. It just so happens that Stanley Morgan is our special teams ace and our very best gunner. And and I just think by default he's just a wide receiver that happens to be there. He might get one snap the whole year at wide receiver if every, if everybody stay healthy. But he'd be no different than if Trayvon Henderson, if Darren, if Darren Simmons said that Trayvon Henderson is like our ace. Is no different to me. It's like he probably would never play a safety, you know, through, like, you know, because Ricardo Allen and, and Bates and you got all these guys there. It's just it's just by default that Stanley Morgan ends up being a wide receiver. But out of everybody on our team, that is the one guy that I think uh, the consensus view on it is that that is the main special teams ace on our roster. Right. And I, I mean, I understand that aspect of it. Darren Simmons always has his imprint. And, you know, he was one of the reasons for years we kept Brandon Tate when a lot of our fans wanted to move away from him. But I kind of and I understand the importance of special teams. I'm not trying to take away from it. But when you look at some of the rule changes in recent years that the NFL has instituted, you know, essentially we're not really getting kick returns like that, like special teams slowly. They're kind of taking that value away unless you're talking about punts. As you said, with him being a gunner, obviously that's valuable. I feel like the Bengals need to step back and look at what's going on in the league because each year it seems like they're taking special teams in a sense away because they're going to feed you all of this data that most of the concussions and injuries and player safety um, is being essentially messed up with special teams. So that's the only thing is 
if he is our best gunner, that's cool. But what else can he do outside of that? And with the NFL kind of pivoting and the rules and, and safety concerns being made to the point where you can't even really return kicks anymore, how yeah. much emphasis are you going to put on a final 53 roster on just a guy that's just good for special teams? Now, if it's Evan McPherson, of course, you have to put that emphasis on the kicker. You can't keep Randy Bullock and guys like that for years, not have any emphasis on that, but then keep a guy over someone else because he's a gunner. So I just hope that and maybe it plays out a certain way, but I was just thinking in my head, which I don't know what Trenton Irwin can do on special teams, but it's like, why can't Trenton Irwin be a gunner? Why can't he get taught the same things that Stanley Morgan can do and then also be able to, if need be, maybe that one or 10 snaps a season that he gets in, go out and also make a catch as well. And that was my only frustration with it. The difference between the two is Trent Irwin to them just represents a wide receiver. He beat out Trent Taylor. You had to have six on the on the roster for it. And but I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. But if he doesn't do it good, see the the other question would be like, all right, we'll carry an extra, you know, like an extra man at that position. But they don't have the luxury to with the rest of the roster to carry a, a extra, you know, wide receiver. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I, I know what you're saying. Like to keep him right. there. Because he, like and, because and, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do what Stanley Morgan does. He he doesn't tackle like that on the special teams. He doesn't offer right. what what Stanley Morgan does. Trent Irwin beat out Trent Taylor to be the sixth wide receiver, the first man off the bench. Um, uh, uh well, Mike Thomas was your starting yeah, slot coming off the bench, and then you and I didn't take. That's why. Does, that's but, why I'm looking like when is Trent Irwin really gonna get in? Say say one person say one person gets hurt. We talking about we talking about Joe Burrow just had a, a press conference a week or two ago that said right. he's interested in spreading teams out and going four wide, which is insane, right? right. But to not utilize the the beauty of I think that I think Auden Tate goes hand in hand with like that is Moss. Like when we I'm gonna roll the conversation to that a little bit. Right. That is, a lot of people talked about to me about that is Moss about like how they uh how did he get cut right? Mm-hmm. That is Moss is always when he came to the Bengals I didn't think anything of it when everybody was really hyped but then he had such a dominant um off season and did all those wonderful things and even showed up at games and everything like that but the one thing that never changed is that that is Moss is still undersized for the position that is Moss cannot block for that position. And we saw things, examples, this is a bad example, but Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. as much as uh, Urban liked them, when the film came on, he could not block. And if Thaddeus Moss only offers you catching, he can't be as valuable. Now, and people say, well, Mitchell Wilcox, like, da da da. For what this team is trying to do and spread guys out and go into these, in these wider set, wide receiver personnel things and Joe Burrow spreading everybody out and stuff like that, I think. Sample, like when you go look at his tape from last year, is solid with his hands. He's not giving you nothing phenomenal. The same thing with Mitchell Wilcox. One of the observations that I was going to say on the show that day when I went to the Washington football team game is that on the sideline, Mitchell Wilcox is like one of the biggest people that I saw on the sideline. Like he just looked big as hell, like compared to a lot of people. His athleticism is better than Thaddeus Moss. He doesn't catch as well as Thaddeus Moss. But he has solid hands. and But the athleticism and his blocking ability, I feel as though that they're like, this is sample 2.0 to a certain extent. He offers a little bit more than sample to me. 
But that's just my personal opinion. That is Moss. I believe in his catching abilities or whatever. But for the National Football League, he's always going to be undersized. And I just think that that was a hurt. That's the reason why he gets released from Washington football team is all my Washington football team friends told me that, man, like he could catch, but he just couldn't block. And for the way that this team is going in that 11 personnel, I just couldn't see them using up. Like to me, that'd be like a a wasted roster spot because when he's out there, you know that he can only go out for a route. Sample Sample and Wilcox are not like that. Like you don't, you don't really know they're they're shorthanded. They're not going to drop anything, but they're not going to blow you off the, off the Richter skill with anything. But some of the play, um, Play concepts and things might lead them wide open opportunities where they get 200, 300 yards a, a, a season. This offense is predicated on wide receiver play. Like it's it's no secret about that. But that that's my take on on um on Wilcox. Wilcox, I don't have a problem with. Like I actually like Wilcox last season undrafted uh, because and obviously because of the type of season we didn't get to really see him. He definitely showed up in that game um, and flashed with that catch that he had before he got the concussion and went out of the game. So Wilcox is cool. I'm not even – I know some people were disappointed in the Thad Moss thing just because the LSU connection. I was just kind of shocked of that because of his relationship with Joe Burrow. It's kind of like when, you know, back in the days with Carson Palmer, you knew the only reason that Jordan Palmer had a spot was because it was his brother. So, like, I just all but knew that – you know, they would keep one of Burrow's boys because of that. And we've seen that, you know, in, in other places, like even when you talk about the NBA, Giannis's brother is on his team more so because it's Giannis's brother, right? He keeps other guys that probably would have deserved that roster spot a little bit more because of that. Um, so, you know, what would, what would that Moss's role really have been on this team? I'm not so sure. I always thought that it would be H-back. And they put him at age back. But like you said, if he can't block, what is he really going to bring to the table? So I understand them bringing Mitchell Wilcox. Sample is already kind of our blocking tight end. Uzoma, who didn't get any snaps. There's no reason to give him any snaps coming off of the Achilles injury. Right. We'll see him moving forward. So I, I that feel like it makes sense. Uzoma, to me, is probably outside of Tyler Boyd, is probably the most underappreciated player on, on, on our whole entire roster. Like, like for the whole entire National Football League, man. That's not to say that Uzama, I think, is like some world beater. I'm just yeah. saying that he's underrated, though. He he, is he's underrated. super underrated. He's above average, and he could give you 600, 700 yards on it, depending on the scheme, the offense, the team, just the way that this is constructed. We're talking about three wide receivers potentially up for a thousand yards. It's just the luck of the draw. He probably is not going to get anywhere near 700 yards, but I, he could. If he played for the Lions or something, you know, someone that doesn't have any weapons at all, like he he would be a big part, big, a big part of their team. It just mm-hmm. so happens that one of the strengths of this team is that we have some really good skill positions. But I understand, like I know we were talking a little bit about like how we feel about the tight end position. I don't love them. I don't hate them. I think you were thinking that probably they're not like you want them to do something better for that. I don't yeah, think that. Yeah. I, I don't, I'll I get into it. So outside of I don't CJ, think that they Uzoma, do that. <laughs> CJ Uzoma, who I'm a fan of. I like CJ. But to me, I think if you take CJ out, and I don't think it's far-fetched to look at that, look at it that way because you know he's coming off of an Achilles injury. I'm not saying that he's gonna fall off, but there's no real plan to me. This is just my opinion after life after CJ Uzoma. So, like obviously, we can cross that bridge when it gets there. We have CJ for this season. 
But next season, you're going into a situation where you have Drew Sample, who this is, I guess, this will be year four next year, who still hasn't really shown enough that he would be a definitive number one tight end. And then you have Mitchell Wilcox, who's undrafted. And maybe Mitchell Wilcox does some things this season. But to me, I'm just going to be honest. I think that is one of the worst collectively after CJ Uzama walks away. I think it's one of the worst tight end groups in the NFL. That's just that's just how I feel about it. Like with Joe Burrow, I feel like as a quarterback, you got to get him a guy that the defense has to account for. Now, I'm not saying he needs a Travis Kelsey or anything like that, but you at least after CJ leaves, you got to at least get him like a Dawson Knox or something like that. Like somebody that the defense actually has to account for, but we'll see what their plan is because tight end is a weird position. Sometimes you have to draft it. Sometimes when you pick a high tight end, they don't pan out. You look at situations where that's happened. You know, sometimes you get one in the third round and you get lucky. But that's not really a concern for right now. But that has continued to be something that I've looked at. And that was one of the reasons that I looked at Kyle Pitts because that was like years down the road. But, you know, with that, Moss not making it as well, I just wonder – where they go next year and obviously we're worried about this season we're in 2021 so we'll cross that bridge when it gets there but i yeah i'm not the biggest fan of the tight end room outside of cj uzoma you guys know you guys already know about my sample (laughs) we we already know how i feel about drew sample but that does not extend to cj and this is this kind of ties in with one thing i was talking about earlier in the in the week if you guys didn't know that billy price um you know, was traded for B.J. Hill earlier in the week. Uh, Great move. Amazing move. I, I, I really applaud that. The, uh, Zach talked about him standing out last uh, year when we played the Giants. Went back and looked. He had three pressures in that game and almost had like an 80 uh, grade in that game. And I remember like on air, I remember me doing my live and I remember mentioning his name like two times. I'm like, man, that dude is everywhere. So I thought that was a good move. Um, one thing about uh, – the the expectations, I guess. This is one thing that I always tell people. I guess just anywhere. Some teams get really lucky with it, and you get a you find a Darren Waller of a tight end, and you or you find a George Kittle or something like that. But I feel like that's such a that's just so so uh, such an outlier in this whole tight end equation. Tight end and linebacker to me in the National Football League have the biggest growing pains are in have the more responsibilities and the hardest to, you know, like you might get to year three before you see the evolution of a tight end in my mind. Right. And and I only say that to say this, if you got a tight end that's solid, can block, be accountable, doesn't drop the football and knows where he's going to be at the shelf life of tight ends, especially really good ones that we saw like Ifers of the world that have back problems and you're asked to do a lot. For a tight end to work in the National Football League for a long period of time in itself is is a bit of a unicorn. There are not many tight ends that get past four or five years in the National Football If I looked at the numbers, it would probably be like two years. So to have sample, be dependable, be solid, knowing how I know this offense is and everything like that. If sample just burst out of nowhere and just went crazy and had like some athletic profile and started doing some crazy stuff – Hell yeah, that'd be super welcome. I think coming up in this draft, they should be looking at tight end. I think if CJ Uzama has a really good year, though, I don't think there's a chance in hell he walks, though. I think they make that happen because that's a position that the Bengals – the Bengals are never going to have a position – I mean, a a time paying certain positions. 
tight end is not going to be one of them. Like, even if they had a George Kittle, like, that's not going to be a problem for them. They're, they're always going to go to the draft and draft defensive end and corners, really heavy, top of the top of the top of the draft board, no matter if, if, if that's the given year that they need it, because those are the most expensive positions. And as we've seen in the last couple of years, they they very rarely retain like some of these corners in a William Jackson. They just thought that the price tag was too um, was was too steep. But from my tight end position, I guess. I'm looking at the Ertz and the Wallers in the world and everything like that and just say, like, they don't, they just don't come that often. And CJ Uzama isn't that far off from, I think we were talking about, remember a month ago, I was like, man, he's not that far off from Andrews. I just feel like Andrews is better for sure. But in that system, look, Lamar Jackson is, that, that's his go to. Like, that's his, top, that's his, that's his Tyler Boyd. If CJ right. Uzama was in the, it, with the Ravens, he would eat. Like I don't feel like he's that much like less of a of a football player than him, and I think that they wouldn't have a problem like retaining him. I, I don't, and I think you're right though. We should go to the draft and be looking at tight end early again. Nah, facts. So moving on from that, you kind of talked about BJ Hill. We kind of talked about it, you know, when the trade happened, because we were like, if they trade for BJ Hill when he's a three technique, Larry Ogunjobi is a three technique. Right. What does that mean for our man Mike Daniels? I got Mike Daniels. So, you know, I kind of felt personally when they went and traded for Hill, I'm like, that might have been Mike's spot. Uh, but, you know, do you think that there's any kind of possibility that obviously some of these guys that have gotten cut, whether it's Mike Daniels, whether it's Jacquez Patrick, a lot of these guys could find their way back to a practice squad if they go unclaimed. Noah Spence was another one that right. they moved on from, even though they were really thin at edge rusher. Do you see any of those guys potentially coming back or were any of those like shocking for you? Right. So let's start with Mike. Uh, my sources say that Mike should be back on the practice squad. Just I'm, I'm going to just give you all the, the sauce of what I feel like. It, it was going to come down. I kept and if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, I posed the question. I said one of these that guys that we really, really like got to go. It had to be Josh Tupau or either Mike Daniels. And, I mean, like Ren and McKenzie and guys like that. We already knew. We talked about that on shows before. But just when they did the move for BJ Hill, which they had a higher grade on, young, better age, better profile, all these different things, PFF grade of eighty, like every year. I mean, it's a no-brainer, I guess, for Billy Price, right? So then one guy's got to go. This is my personal opinion. I, I think they're going to say, Mike Daniels, we love you. You're great for the team. We want you back, which I know for a fact they told him that they want him back. The reason why they cut him right now, though, is because the guaranteed money that he would have is now they don't have to guarantee the money now if they just bring him back after week one. So then he just picks up a brand new contract and, you know, works out however. Somebody get hurt, they pull him up, drop him, whatever. Mike has to decide, I guess, is he even interested in that situation? I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't talked to him to ask him that. And then aside from that, you know, like that that's just part of football. That's the part that fans don't really talk about, you know, is that behind the scenes, it's not a fair game. So why they cry about a lot of different things uh, you know, players asking for money and stuff like that. There's a situation where a guy that you probably really like gets told he has a contract, but then they have to 
remove this contract to remove the guaranteed money. But oh yeah, 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 we want you back. So that's the that's the 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 bad part about sports sometimes. So and I think I think some of that is one thing that you brought up is is that part of it, right? They made the trade of Billy Price for BJ Hill. And they had some dead cap from that Billy Price trade. I think it was about $2 million or something like that. And they took on BJ Hill. I think they ended up, you know, coming out net 100000 or something like that. But when you add in the Mike Daniels money, like you're saying, it doesn't make sense for the Bengals from a business standpoint to guarantee that money where, you know, not only are we paying for BJ Hill after taking this, this hit from Billy Price, Right. We're also going to commit ourselves to this other two million or million that we owe Mike Daniels, and it just didn't just didn't make sense. Like some right. people said when it came to Geo, they just felt like it was too much money for that position, and it didn't make sense. Now that's not to say obviously Geo was gone, but Mike Daniels, there is a path that he could return to the Bengals for sure, for sure. And I, and I and I and I'm told that he was offered, you know, like hey, look, we want to bring you back to the practice squad. So if you don't know, guys, if if a team, if he goes unclaimed, you know, twenty four hours, then he has that option of, of doing so. And I think they, I think my gut tells me that he would. For me, I feel like there's a team out there that I think he could probably get some run at right now. Honestly, that's just my right. gut because he he's very valuable. One thing that I take a, away from this thing is, and we were talking about this off air, is that we're not really strong at the edge position. But the amount of three techs and the push that they're going to that we're going to have up the middle is unlike a lot of teams in the National Football League. Now they haven't played games, but on paper, that's a top ten defensive line. Period. Reader, Ogan, Joby, uh, like healthy. Those two, Josh Tupau, like people forget like what he was capable of and what he's done. So those are some some really big moves. I mean, then you're talking about guys like Shelvin that are just in year one of the project. So. Thanks. I mean, like that that up front, like them dudes are unbelievable. I, I think on paper they they're crazy. They have Mike Daniels come back on that, that that would be insane. Somebody said, "Is Billy Price like? Is that the same thing?" Hell yeah, that's a factor. If you went back, I put in some clips on my Instagram timeline. Look at Trey, uh, Trey Hill in the Washington Football Team game, absolutely destroying dudes. That was the day that the Bengals knew that they could move on. Like Billy Price, like the two mil that you're talking about or whatever, like there's no need for that. Like you just needed a thirsty team that had nothing to go ahead and, and get it. And we had to go ahead and make that move and we finessed them. So if you're a Giants fan or you know a Giants fan, tell them like, hey, pleasure doing business with you, but we got you. Stop <laughs> it. Facts, <laughs> facts. So overall, like before we get out of here, do you have any other thoughts on the roster in terms of what they should do moving forward? If there's any players that they're there that they should claim, you know, they have Desmond Trufat fall out there. I don't know if if he's a guy that they kick the tires on. Right. Anybody out there that you see, like maybe they should go after. I think Trent Taylor – I just want to go through this real quick. I think Jacquez Patrick comes back to the uh, practice squad, and I think that Travion Williams probably moves on at this point. Because I don't think, like – somebody's going to have to break down the logistics of this. I don't know if he could even come back on his third or fourth tenure with the team. Like, there's a limit to it. So, I need to get clarification on that. Trent Taylor, I just think that – because of what he's done, and if he's fully healthy, I think he he probably wouldn't come back as a practice squad person. That is Moss is one that's up in the air. Keith and Sutherland, I'm guessing maybe practice squad. 
Gunnar Vogel, maybe possibly. Noah Spence is the one I really, really love for them to retain. I think one thing that's going to happen uh, tonight is, and I told you this too, our boy Khaled Kareem, if they were to go, uh, I just did some quick uh, math. I talked to my guy Andre Parada. Shout out to Andre Parada. And we were talking about this. And he gave me some good notes. Because Khaled Kareem's injury probably isn't that serious, I think that he, if they were to put him on IR, they could do it tomorrow, and it would make him eligible to come back before week uh, three. And, and if that happened, then that would allow them to open up that spot and then put in another waiver claim for an edge guy that came off like right now, like somebody like, that's – Like Everson Griffin who just got released by he the got released. Vikings? Yeah. See, I don't think waves. I think if they never put in a if they if he never did a workout or something before, I just can't see it. But they you plan know. on bringing him back. But I, if you are a team that could steal him, why wouldn't you? And weaken a team like the Vikings that you're playing week one. I think Everson Griffin. I think his I think it's his list is smaller than the average person for him to go yeah. back to Minnesota and he was out there. And yeah. the reason why I think Jacquez Patrick, as well as he played, comes back. The running back market with guys like uh, Devontae Freeman getting released earlier today, you still got uh, Todd Gurley out there. Now, I know these guys are a little bit older than the two, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of teams that probably are looking for more of an experienced running back that's done it before, that's fully healthy, and it's a bunch of running backs out there. So guys like that, Armani Bledsoe, McKenzie, I think will be back. Winston Rose, I think will be back. Tony Brown, Trayvon Henderson, I don't know if he clears waivers. So there's some some guys out there, but look for the Bengals. By the time y'all wake up tomorrow, they'll put in a claim for at least one offensive lineman, I would think, because uh, the one thing me and you were looking at beforehand is Isaiah Prince is your swing because of uh, identity. Now, identity can return before week six right, or week seven. That's something to keep in mind. That's something to yeah to keep in mind right there. So that's that's where it gets a little tricky right there too. There's a lot of like stuff with this IR stuff that teams because of COVID and everything. Like teams can kind of stash people a little bit, or you could put a guy in COVID protocol and then bring them back out. Like you know, like Bengals didn't do that, but there's some teams out there that's carrying like 60 guys right now because they're like stocking guys in COVID protocol and doing some weird stuff out there. So. It's a lot of guys that could jump out there, and then I'd look for the Bengals to put in a claim for offensive line and the defensive end. And it's going to be on the strength of I think they're going to make Khaled like IR because you could bring them back by three weeks. And that's the only reason why they do that. And then we got another question here for Zim from Alonzo. Appreciate that. He says, Are you going to be at the Thursday night game versus Green Bay, Zim? I am probably not. Uh, I will be at the Thursday night football game week four. If you guys haven't seen it or not, Ace has a link in his bio. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, in the YouTube clip that we're going to have in post right here, it's going to be on there where you can come and sit in our section. Um, I'm going to post it. I post it periodically. If you need a link, just send it to me. But that week four is going to be turned. Like that's going to be like one for the ages. Like you got the <laughs> hall of fame, you got the hall of fame stuff going on. Like I, the the stadium's gonna be packed. It's gonna be it's gonna be a wild day. So that's the game that I'll be at. If you, you me and Ace both do live streams every Sunday, so I'm I'm kind of committed to trying to make sure I show the game to people uh, <laughs> every Sunday, every Thursday, Sunday, Monday, because my DMs literally be like 300 messages of people saying, "Are you streaming the game?" So I know that is very important. So. 
I kind of have like this weird obligation to that now, I guess. Nah, that's facts. And once again, shout out to our sponsor, Midwest Best Barbecue. Please be yes, sure to sir. check out some of those. Back open. They're back, back open. open. Back open. Definitely during football season. We're definitely going to do an event with them week four as well. So stay tuned for more details on that. Um, but as usual, we're going to end this with a yes, Sersky. Hello, world. What separated your deep ball from everybody else? My deep ball, it has a little secret sauce to it, man. <laughs> uh, never get too high, never get too low, but just keep moving. The, the whole story is Carlos never beat me in any kind of sports in, in, in high school.